heritage. Today we're going to be looking at Christopher Columbus. Columbus has returned to Europe in triumph. He sends word to Ferdinand and Isabella. Unfortunately, King John II of Portugal also hears that they have arrived, and he attempts to grab them all and keep them incommunicado, which means not being able to talk to anybody, so that he can send his own ships to the New World and pretend that he found it first. Problem, of course, for John is words already gotten to Isabella and Ferdinand. So now John has to save face, and he has a royal reception for Columbus and his men. Unfortunately, things don't go very well, because when King John II is talking with the native interpreters, he finds out how big the New World is. He finds out how rich in treasure and how amazing all of the new resources are there. He cries out, oh man of little understanding, why did you let such an enterprise fall through your hands? Well, that's exactly what Columbus wanted to hear. Because remember, he'd gone through years of being mocked and ridiculed and told he was preposterous and stupid and mad. Because he wanted to share the gospel with people in the new world, he took it. But it obviously lodged some bitterness in his heart. And now he kind of went to the dark side. He really got in the king's face and, and let him know how much he'd blown it, how much he was missing out on, because Columbus was right. He was so obnoxious that the king's courtiers offered to kill Columbus because he was being so insolent to the king. But wisely, the king declined. He didn't want any international incidents here. Another problem with Columbus is that he became tormented by wanting position and power. He wanted recognition for all that he had done. Ferdinand and Isabella invite him to the royal palace, and their winter palace was at Barcelona. They get Barcelona all decked out, just like they're having a big festival. Everything's decorated and beautiful. An armed escort comes and gets Columbus and the crew takes him into town. The crowds are cheering at this wonderful parade. The heroes returned, take him into the palace. He goes to meet the king and the queen. The king and the queen did something they've never done before. First of all, they meet Christopher Columbus by standing up in his presence. It's normally, whoever goes to see the king and the queen, the king and the queen sit, and the person who is submissive to them has to stand the whole time. But at this point, the king and the queen stand up so they're meeting Columbus as equals because they're just so impressed with what he's done. This amazing accomplishment that no one dreamed was possible except Columbus. No one thought was feasible except Columbus. They'd give him a chance and he'd come through beyond expectations. So they're meeting him as equals. They also order a chair to be brought for him so that they all can sit down together as equals. In great humility, Columbus then says he wants to be named Admiral of the Ocean Sea. Okay, well, they grant it to him. He also wants to be Viceroy and Governor of all the islands that he's discovered. Uh, okay, well, they grant that to him, too, because they figure, well, you know, <laughs> he's amazing, so let's give him what he wants. 
Then Columbus tells the tales. He brings in the interpreters and the parrots and the gold and the aloes and the cotton and all the food, all the spices, just all this new stuff that's ooh, ah, ooh, ah, it's so amazing. We've never seen this before. We've got all this new stuff that we're going to be able to keep bringing into our country, which will make us better than all the other European countries. Because of his great accomplishments, the king and queen kind of kept Columbus around and took him with them wherever they went. That is, until Columbus became so obnoxious that they couldn't stand him anymore. <laughs> they kind of said, don't you want to go back to the New World? Columbus had totally lost sight of why he'd gone to the New World. When he first went, he went because he wanted it to be all about God's glory, bringing God's glory to the people so that they would become Christians, so that they would have salvation. It was all to bring glory to God. And yet now it's all about Columbus's glory. He's totally lost sight of what he's supposed to be doing here. In addition to that, he has a real issue with greed. The whole gold lust problem is still continuing. He just can't get enough of the gold and the treasures. He was doing everything he can to take money, to take gold, to get his hands on anything that would make him richer. So the king and queen actually gave him 335,000 maravedis, which today is worth about one and a half million dollars. Well, that wasn't enough for Columbus. He also claimed the 10,000 maravedis reward, which is about $45,000 a year reward every year that was given to the person who first spotted land in the New World. Now, in Columbus's journals, he actually wrote it was another guy on the Pinta who first saw land. But when he got back to Spain, he said it was himself. He claimed the glory and the money for himself. That is so not cool. If you notice, which we'll talk about in a minute, Columbus does not use his fortune to bring people to God. He's not trying to bring about the gospel in the new world anymore. He's really focusing on what else can I do to get more rich, which is, again, completely off where he started. He's supposed to be about bringing the gospel to the new world. Now he's about bringing gold to Columbus. So Columbus organized a second trip to the new world. This time he had no problem getting people to sign up for it. He had 17 vessels, 1,200 men, telling them all about all the great stuff they're going to see, how great the fort is, how great the natives are, how great all of the resources are, how beautiful it is. They returned to La Navidad. La Navidad's basically nothing, disaster, ghost town. They found out everybody who'd been left behind was now dead because they'd killed each other and the natives had kind of finished off who was left. What was going on was the men who were left behind started raping the native women, and then they were also not just trading with the native people to get gold, they started just stealing it and taking it and threatening them to get it. They were convinced that somewhere on the island there was a mine, and they were threatening them to try to find out where the mine was, and just really being brutal with the indigenous peoples. Finally, they'd had enough and said, okay, we got to deal with these guys, and they killed some of them. So everybody's gone when Columbus and the second voyage crew shows up. 
In addition, there had been a raid by the Caribs. Caribs, from where we get the word Caribbean, as in the Caribbean, where Columbus is at this moment in time. They were the mortal enemies of the gentle Taino natives that Columbus had befriended. The Caribs had enslaved and killed many of the Taino and killed some of the Spanish men who had been left behind on Hispaniola. So Columbus and his men set out to find the Caribs. They did find them, and they found a whole lot more that they wished they hadn't found. In their villages, the Spanish found piled of gnawed human bones. They also found huts in which the Taino women had been enslaved, so they were able to free them. The women had been repeatedly raped until they became pregnant because, as a doctor accompanying Columbus reported, these captive women told us that they, the Caribs, eat the children which they bear to them. Such of their male enemies as they can take away alive, this is the Caribs taking away the Tainos, they bring here to their homes to make a feast of them. And those who are killed in battle, they eat up after the fighting is over. Columbus and his men, obviously being just absolutely appalled by what they had found, captured a bunch of the Caribs, and they were deciding, should we kill them or should we enslave them? and they decided to enslave them. For those of you who've heard about how bad Christopher Columbus is because he actually enslaved some of the natives in the Caribbean, these are the ones that he enslaved. He did not enslave the native Tainos who he was friends with. No, he enslaved these Caribs who were actually horrible cannibals. I'm not saying that what Columbus did was right or the best possible decision. However, by the standards of his time period and by European laws and punishments, what he did was actually considered to be merciful. He had every right to execute every single one of the Caribs for the atrocities that they were committing. However, he decided to be merciful and to enslave them instead. I know by today's standards that's extremely harsh, but it is better than being executed. So that ends today's edition of Columbus, Part 3. And in Part 4, we will find out more about Columbus and his failings and character flaws, because yes, the man seemed to have quite a few. And we will also discover how God stepped in and redeemed Columbus at the end. Thank you for listening to this edition of America's Godly Heritage. I hope you have a great day. Bye! If you would like to help support America's Godly Heritage or to view the resources used to make this podcast, just go to patreon.com or vimeo.com and type America's Godly Heritage in the search box. You can also make financial donations at givesendgo.com. Again, just type America's Godly Heritage in the search box. We really appreciate your support. Thanks again. Bye.